Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Y'all already know who it is. It's your boy Loso, man. And y'all listen to the number one sports podcast out, MTMV Sports. Y'all see Hey, what's going on? It's Justin Sarachik, editor of RapZilla.com, and you are watching MTNV Sports. Keep it locked. Y'all, we were just talking about um, what makes me, oh, well, who were you most happy for in the Super Bowl, right? So who were you most happy for in the Super Bowl? Everybody talked, maybe it was Tom Brady, maybe you were happy for Dominican Sue, who I was most happy for um, after a long career, right? Um, but I'll tell you this, I'm most happy when I can go into my situation as a man and know that I'm confident, feel confident doing it, right? I'm most happy when my wife gives me the ready-to-go eyes, and I know that happens more often when I am fully trimmed and I'm ready to rock, man. Listen, I want to tell you about Manscaped because that that's what's keeping me right now as a refined gentleman. Manscaped is doing that for me. I've had several different instances where I use the, the clippers. Well, I told you it's not a real tradition of mine, man, but I've done it before. I tried to go down with the clippers way, way, way too scared to make that thing happen but manscaped have come out with um the lawnmower 3.0 and now i can go into that situation with confidence manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest situation hair trimmer (laughs) ever created the lawnmower 3.0 the third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by manscaped y'all and it has been an absolute lifesaver i love it i love it i love it listen we're refining the gentleman all you have to do is go to manscaped.com put in mtmv and get 20 percent off plus free shipping on any order any order so if it's ten dollars twenty percent off just for you because you put in the code mtmv Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports, man. I am geeked, blessed, elated to be joined today by the president of Beast Developmental, motivational speaker, author, and the father of Warriors forward, Kelly Oubre Jr., Mr. Kelly Oubre Sr. Sir, how are you doing today? I'm fine, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. I really do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sir, we love having you on the show. I just want, because there's so much um, that goes into kind of what you're doing and what you're into, I want you to kind of, you know, hit us early with Beast Developmental. Talk to us about the terminology. Talk to us about some of the things that go into um, that awesome brand. I love talking about it because every time I talk about it, I get to reinforce the message. The message is, well, let me tell you about the infantile stages of it, all right? It started in 12995 when Kelly was born. I knew at that point that I had to make some modifications. I can't say a total reinvention at that point with my life because I was doing all right. I was holding on two jobs that ironically two Fortune 500 companies. And I got to see things from a business perspective early on in life. And it was something that I really needed in New Orleans because, you know, no not, but I love home so much that I always wanted more for it to, 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 enhance the beauty of a New Orleans or a Metairie or our neighboring parishes and cities. But a lot of times we, we, we kind of got mired in the politics across the whole state, which is not something that I was always proud or fond of because it was almost like 
people would laugh at us all over the country because we were so backward sometimes with regards to our, our political systems. And uh, strangely enough, that was uh, uh, part of the, the, the stuff that went into the gumbo pot with Beast Developmental because I knew Kelly had to be a success. And if he wasn't a success in life, not just in, in infancy and, and as he grew in life, then I would have failed as a father. I took that personally. So off top, I had to look at it as, well, I can't get this wrong. I will make some mistakes along the way. I kind of figured that like we all do, but at the same time, that didn't mean I, I couldn't get right back up or I had to be totally broken in that process or in that moment where I couldn't write our ship, so to speak, and continue on. So the Beast Developmental Model <clears throat> came more into fruition as he started getting into the sports world. He got his black belt at eight years old in Taekwondo. That was a good foundation layer because he kind of wanted to, uh, kind of, he was kind of burning out at the end of it. And I always get this crazy question from a lot of people. And it's something I hear all the time. Well, was it you pushing him or was it him wanting to do all of this? And I kind of want to tell him, well, you know, regardless of who it was, the bottom line is at some point we all needed a little poke or a prod or to put have, have things put in proper context for us if somebody saw a, a, a bigger picture or a, a greener pastures down, down, down the road. So when I answer that question, I'm always forthright and honest. No, it wasn't me. All I, did, all I could do was help set the stage for him to perform on. So as he graduated in, in, through life at a young age, he would look for stages to perform on and he would have to be ready because I could always use that black belt experience mm. as a foundation to look. This is something that she wanted to quit towards the end. And I just made a deal with him towards the end of his black belt in Taekwondo. I says, look, just get your black belt. He had one more belt to go, one or two. And I said, just get your black belt. You don't have to get any more of the degrees after that. At that point, you could do whatever you want. And I, you, once again, you have my full 100% support. I will bankroll whatever you need me to do. I will never throw the dollar amount in your face because it, it, it operated like babysitting for me too. And plus, when he grabbed, because I used to always bring him to the gym before that with me when he was a baby. And he used to run on the court sometimes, so I'd have to stop what I was doing on the court and go get him and put him back or uh, hit up somebody's girlfriend to watch him while I was there because I wanted to get my run in too. So, But I had him, and that was my responsibility. And, you know, willingly, I brought him to the gym with me. Now, ironically, after the black belt, he gravitated to basketball, which I was like, oh, I'm in heaven now because I could babysit. We in the gym. I ain't got to worry about him being somewhere else outside of my sight. And he can learn and grow and enhance and, and, and build his little body up where, you know, he could mimic our actions and, and our, our mm -hmm. bunch of old heads, bunch, bunch of washed up daddy coaches playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we grunting and we <laughs> talk. And I mean, it curses, but, you know, <laughs> he over there, so, like a little beast, you know. So, <laughs> so that kind of played into how Beast Developmental came to be. Um, I'll break down the logo a little, a little later for you. But um, that's pretty much it, man. The inception was Kelly is the poster child for Beast Development. What you see now in, in his actions on the court and off the court are Beast Developmental personified. 
Let me ask you a question. So the story starts off um, in New in New Orleans, right? In Louisiana, yeah. that's kind of where the story starts off. The story actually like takes off a little bit in Texas, and we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. so going from and Katrina is like that main thing that kind of like split things up, right? And yep. so after that big, you know, um, uh, Katrina thing, then everything kind of kicks off in um, in Texas. Wow. However, if the Texas thing never happened. Right. If Texas never happened, what was the original plan in New Orleans? There's some people. There's a lot of people making from New Orleans. Right. What was the original plan? Was Saint Aug? Like, what was the plan in New Orleans? You know what? Let me tell you what the plan was. All right, I'm gonna give you the short term plan. Bet that was within that month of August when Katrina hit. Check okay. this out. We were in AAU Nationals in Disney, the Milk House, where they played in the bubble. The NBA played in the bubble. We were there for third grade nationals. What I did was, all I saw was a bunch of washed-up daddy coaches coaching their kids like myself. I was an assistant coach on, on his AAU team. I started exchanging business cards with him. Hmm. So I was building a network subconsciously of guys all around the country. So from that point, I knew basketball was going to be his thing. Let me hook up with as many guys around the country so I can make phone calls to see what the hot kid or who the hot kid or what the hot team in town was in their states. Because I was playing and my wheels were spinning because, like I said, growing up, New Orleans couldn't hold me. So I knew New Orleans sure couldn't hold him once I started rolling and implementing my plans for him to grow. So here I am, once Katrina hit with 30 business cards wrapped in a rubber band in my pocket. Mm. So I got guys all over the country. I got guys in New York. I got guys in Chicago. I got guys in Vegas, LA, Tennessee, Alabama, Kansas. And I had a bunch of friends I had just met. And I had about four cards in my pocket from guys from Houston. So when we got to Houston, I just looked at the guys. Hey, man, who got the hot run in town? Mm. I'm trying to get him in a, on a hot team. You know, to see the landscape. Because in New Orleans, we had like maybe one team. I think at that time might have been Louisiana Select, Nike, Nike ball team. Then it went into uh Nike team Louisiana. Then it went to EP Elite. And now it's uh Live On. A friend Randy Livingston has his team down there, Nike UIBL, but um a couple of Adidas teams, but they weren't they weren't really strong coming out of Louisiana. It was just uh, you know, just just some offshoot teams basically. So, so, no, that's why I just came to the room. Sorry. No, so, um, but the, the beauty of it was, thank you. The beauty of it was the networking that happened pre-Katrina. And I would always stress to any trusted advisor out there, any parent, if you really want to know where your kid stands on a national stage, start breaking bread with them brothers all over the country so they could tell you where the hot run is and who the hot kid is coming up. See, because Kelly's playing with all of his friends right now in the league. They all have grown up with each other. They've crossed paths many times before, which is a beautiful thing. So that's something I would always give my parents and my trusted advisors. Make sure you, are, you humble yourself. It's about sacrifice and humble where you can go and extend, your, extend the olive branch to a a coach or a parent in the stands where for the opposing team, where it's not all this tension and rah, rah, rah. You got to humble yourself because we're here for the betterment of the kids the whole time. And if that, and, and to go back to your original question, if I had not had those connections in my pocket, mm. 
30 business cards from guys all over the country. I couldn't be able to answer this question right now. Mm. But subliminally, my wheels were turning because it's almost like I wasn't scared to leave the state and I knew what was out there. And I benefited from having left the state early in my, my, my teenage years to go spend two years in high school in Birmingham, Alabama, and third grade in Birmingham also. So I knew what it was like and I knew the world was round, it wasn't flat. So that, that stigma was gone. And I wanted the same thing for Kelly subconsciously so he could see elsewhere. He could realize people actually live out here. They're not just surviving. And ironically, Katrina happened. Mm. So by the grace of God, I was able to have my wheels spinning and having a plan, a three-dimensional plan already in place, whether I realized it or not at the time. It was in its preliminary stages. So I hope I answered your question, and I hope I gave my parents that trusted advisors that, that humbling experience that they must go through, that sacrifice, that constant reinvention of itself if need be, to get to the 0.003% or within a profession around the 0.003%. I see you were prepared, right, for the situation, regardless, you didn't even know it was coming, but you were already prepared for the situation. What about your, what about you? What about your upbringing? What about, you know, anything that came up with you that made you know, I need to start networking now? Like, what happened before to make you know, hey, I need to be prepared for any type of situation? You know what? I never listened to anybody's no. Mm. I was at UPS 13 years. I realized at that point in time, some things that happened at the job. I was still there. I liked my job, 25 bucks an hour. I wanted more. It wasn't going to define me. Oh, you're, you're, you're a driver. Okay, I've been there, done that. What's next? Okay, I got this boy at home. I can't, I can't, I can bring him to school, but I can't pick him up. That hurts me. I can bring him to school, but I can't get him, pick him up from school or get him to practice. That hurts me. Okay, God, if I ever get a chance to pick him up, I'll bring him to school, pick him up, and bring him to practice, I won't be hurt anymore. Let me subconsciously make this thing happen as best I can. Dude, I had so many warning letters from UPS because I didn't even want to be there. Mm. It was like forced overtime. Like, and, and shout out to UPS because I, I capitalize off their corporate reimbursement program, so I don't have any student loan debt. Shout out to <laughs> UPS. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to keep it 100, man. I'm, I'm all about 100. I see so, that. <laughs> so, you know, but but that was what I wanted, man. And I, like I said, ironically, Katrina hit. And it was a detriment to a lot of people and a lot of families because it cost, it cost me my – I don't want to say it cost me my second marriage, but it kind of solidified some things within that marriage that it was, it was basically about money and nothing else. So, you know – that was my personal thing I was dealing with at the time. But at the same time, I had my biological son in my, in my pocket. I still got to make it happen for him, regardless of what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So um, Texas was a, was a, was a, was a happy uh, – uh, I, I would say it was, a, it was a, a good place to be because of all the perks and the professionals that had retired there along with their kids also. So, you know, just looking back at it and tying it all together – I guess, like you said, preparation for something, not so much knowing what it was, but preparing and being ready to do what I needed to do at the drop of a hat 
and do it well and give 100% knowing that my foundation was going to be his success the whole time. Not to reap monetary rewards on the back end, but for him to be successful, for me to sit down with my earbuds on my ear like I do right now at the game and put it all to music. Masterpiece. Yo, everybody, okay, you, I heard you talk about this before. Everybody has a vision for their child. Every, a lot of people have visions for their kids, but everybody's, you know, player or kid don't right. have it. They don't right. have it, right? right? You know what I mean? They, they go up against the best of the best, and they realize they don't have it. Bring me back to the moment where you were looking at Kelly, and you're looking at him on the court, and you're like, oh, he got it. I see it. Well, you know, we had the beauty. Well, like I said, let's let, let go back to, okay, the transition from New Orleans to Houston. I'm looking for the hot team in town in fourth grade now because mm. I'm seeing what's out there. I'm testing the waters, looking at the landscape. So I see an abundance of riches all around me in Houston and a lot of opportunities we didn't have back in New Orleans with the gym. Uh, his, his elementary was right next to the middle school, was right next to the high school. So between three schools, we're talking five gyms. Mm. In New Orleans, you'll be lucky if you know the janitor – you know, and, and he leaves the side door open for you. But I want you. Those are facts. And you better not hang on the rims. <laughs> These are facts. These are facts. So, so we're talking uh, um, um, Stafford Elementary, Stafford Middle, Stafford High. Mm. Five gyms between all three of them. Strangely enough, I put him in a, he was in elementary, put him in a Stafford High. Ah, it was some kind of little rec league, just like Norton and in, 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 in Biddy in New Orleans. Mm. So, uh, you know, he out there, he, they were the Stafford Spurs. You know, you know, the, the, you, you know they get down. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everybody got a name, you know. <laughs> like the football teams and sliding around, you know. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and, and all that kind of, you know, went into the growth. The, 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 the systematic building on the journey every year, every summer, every uh, month, just something. Find a high team in town. Went to the high team in town. Ironically, it was a team who had two twin boys who were in the 2013 class. Mm-hmm. Kelly was in the 2014 high school class. And they were fifth grade. Kelly was fourth grade. Their daddy coached them. They went on to Kentucky and they were, you know, slotted to be guaranteed pros, mm. but they never made it. But back then, here I am. Okay. I'm looking not only for the hot team in town, subliminally, I'm from New Orleans. I'm looking for the hot dude in town. Yeah. Yeah. Because I won't kill him early. <laughs> and I won't get Kelly used to him early. So by the time Kelly turns six, seven, that I did a, a, a WebMD online. Plug the numbers in. It told me Kelly was going to be six foot seven. Mm. 
a lot of parents out there, trusted advisors, if you want to know the height of your child, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, go to webmd.com, go to height predictor, and you might get a, a roundabout gauge of how tall your child will be when he's fully grown. Mm. So lo and behold. That's brand new information. I yeah, never heard yeah, that, but that's, that's new information. I, I try to drop science, bro. <laughs> and, and I try to speak from experience, not something I'm pulling out of the sky or something I didn't heard. I love it. So that's why I don't need a script. Okay. Because <laughs> they already been there, done that, and we will, I'm willing to do it again, too. So, so that's hence, hence Beast Developmental. You know, if, if, if I'm here, trusted advisors, as a drone, if you will, to hover over them as they navigate their young diamond, which I call my athletes or their athletes, um, as a support mechanism. Beast Development is a support mechanism for those coming up, young diamonds and trusted advisors who really want to lock into the betterment of their athletes and not use it as a springboard to better them or to get them their five minutes of fame for some monetary reward down the line. Mm. Because I always tell people, once you let the devil in, you never get rid of him. So be mindful of that. So um, yeah, that, that gradual growth in uh, the Houston area, seeing pros, mm. the Clyde Drexers, the Hakeem Olajuwans, the, the, the Barclays, the Pippins, the, Kelly saw all of that. The All-Star game back in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the All-Star game back in, 20, I, I, it might have been 07, 08, 07 or 08 was in Houston. And Kelly had a chance to play at the George R. Brown Center right next to the Toyota Center. Mm. You know, and right there, they had won the blacktop battle, which was a street ball, three-on-three street ball. His team was two-time uh, champion, Houston champion, in street ball, three-on-three. So, they got a chance to um, – uh, 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 somebody there saw him and asked if he wanted to play inside the George R. Brown the next weekend when the All-Star game was in town. But the kicker was, okay, not only can you play, we're going to let y'all in early so we can do a news story. So y'all be here at 6 in the morning so y'all can go into the George R. Brown before it officially opens with all the cardboard cutouts and the dunks and the, the, the trampolines and the jumpy jumps mm. before anybody else could get in there. Kelly was in there and we was taking pictures. So he's posted up guarding Andre Iguodala. I got pictures, you know, a little cardboard <laughs> cutout of Iguodala standing next to Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson is taller than Kelly on a picture. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> Gilbert Arenas, he's standing next to him on a cardboard cutout and he has his junior NBA shirt on. Mm. So there was a little car. I think it was a Toyota, uh, I think it might have been a Prius or something, but it was, you know how they, it, it, it was wrapped in NBA logo. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he, he styling. The, 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 the butterfly doors are up. He's styling. <laughs> he's sitting in there. He got his Nike hanging out the window. But that was young in the game. So, and I remember he asked me, he says, uh, you know, daddy, do, do, do WNBA, I'm, I'm sorry, do junior NBA players go to the pros? I said, no, it's not a guarantee, mm-hmm. but it's a possibility if they work hard enough. So I never, ever gave him the green light that he was anything other than someone willing to do the work. I never, you the man, I never did that. You asked me when did I know? Right around that eighth grade summer going into the ninth grade. I knew my whole life, basically, because once we got to Houston, I looked around. It, it was a rap cap. 
Mm. I'm like, you know what? Pros, kids, training, uh, 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 styles, uh, drills, and competition all over the country. Coming into Houston, we going out there and getting it too. So going into that ninth grade from the eighth grade summer, um, he very rarely had a bad game, two games in a row. I mean, one game, and because, because he was taking it personal, because his body was changing, five, six to six, five in a year and a half. Wow. Oh, I got guard skills and I'm a lefty. And I was infusing him defense first because I would tell him something we call the tip drill. Get close to the point guard, work him side to side, and tip up at the ball. Don't tip down, tip up. When you flip him, at that point, it all came into fruition because eighth grade going into the ninth grade, he did it Mm -hmm. on a break. He flipped the point guard twice and dunked on him twice in the eighth grade. And that's when, yes, when I knew, because I saw something change in him. Mm. It's like, okay, I get paid for this. Because he, he knew he wanted to dunk on everybody. If you look at it now, he says, Daddy, I'm hunting seven-footers. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> but if you watch him play now, that's how he plays. Because he's he, – and we were doing plyometrics at the time in the backyard. I, I went to the Kroger and got these crates, these milk crates that were mm. plastic, and they had four little feet on them. They stacked inside so they wouldn't wobble. I would stack him up in the backyard and make him explode up and come down on his toes mm. like a cat. So um, his on eyes the, time, on the milk cartons, yeah, on, on the plastic milk cartons. They, they, they were like pallets. Yeah, I, no, no, I'm, I, I'm a former milkman. I know about the milk cartons. Yeah, not, not the That's little tough. square ones. They were big pallets. Oh, okay, bad, bad, bad. I got it. Yeah, got it. I got big it. Got plastic pallets with it. these little inserts on the corners that fit inside each other, got which it. kept everything flat. You could stack them up as high as you wanted to. Got so they wasn't wood, they wasn't a little plastic. So um, his idols at the time were in New Orleans, J.R. Smith had just got to the Hornets before Katrina. He would watch J.R. And I said, we used to go to games in New Orleans. I said, watch how he delivers the contact. He dunks on people, but he come down on balance. Mm. That's how I want you to approach leaving the floor and coming down. Because J.R. would very rarely be knocked off balance, you know, because he was just super explosive. And that exactly, that's what Kelly morphed into, that super explosion, learning how to come down on balance, coupled with the karate by design. Mm. <laughs> so I feel you. My wheels are turning, boss. I'm, like, you. You know, I'm creating the beast developmental model right here. So when I knew, that's when I knew that. And on top of that, those twins I told you about earlier, he was dominating them in high school mm. because his body was bigger now. That year that they had on him meant nothing. And he knew, because I told him, if you separate them, you get them on an island one-on-one. They don't like contact. They don't like physicality. Tip them, dunk on them, and give them the ball when they take it out. Mm. And mm. Yeah. I, I, I see you. I see you, man. Yo, so talk to me about this. Okay, so the big, everything changes like, okay, at first it we're in Louisiana, right? And then Katrina happens. But that happens on, what, August 29th, right? Yeah. August 29th, 2005. That's yes. when that goes down. Um, talk to me about the 28th. So okay. tell me about what you remember about August 28th, 2005. I think we were at, me and my wife at the time, we had a wedding reception. and uh, Or a party. Or some, some, some kind of party. Probably some kind of party. And uh, Kelly was with a babysitter. 
And uh, we uh, got home. We got in from the babysitter, got home, and we turned the news on. And at that time, Nagan was saying, get out. Hmm. Ray Nagan, you know, the mayor at the time, saying, get out. Cat 5 coming right at us. Um, going to be catastrophic. We lived a block and a half off the levee. The levee is where the water is on the other side. You know that. But the mm-hmm. audience might not. But we, we lived not too far from Harris Casino. The boat, not, not Harris, Valley's. The but, boat yeah. casino that was in New Orleans East. And because uh, I think at the time, New Orleans was only allowed to have one land-based casino, and that was Harris already. So they made the Valley's be on a boat. Mm. And during the course of you gambling, they're taking the boat out for five minutes and bringing it back to the dock. <laughs> Technically, that's a casino. <laughs> like, are we moving? Well, you know, you're back on the dock, right? <laughs> Technically, you know. Got to work on, the man. politics. Come on, man. You got to love Louisiana, man. You know, we going to find a way. Got to work the politics, man. <laughs> got to work the politics, bro. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, yeah. So it was like, it's time to go. So we packed up the SUV with everything we could grab. We hit the road. Kelly slept in the back, you know, we had a, a Toyota Sequoia, big truck. <clears throat> and um, we get to Houston, uh, maybe the next, I guess, 48 hours later, something like that. It, it was like a day, a day and a half, something like that. So um, we get there and we find the first available hotel, you know, shout out to Motel 6, you know, and I always tell the story about how it wasn't the most clean <laughs> hotel in the world, but you know what? Something about that roof over your head when you have you, you have a lot of uncertainty and you got a, a a fourth grader with you, you know, and you know his school is not there anymore or mm. damaged so badly that what he knew as normalcy probably would never be again. I knew that, you know, for looking at the pictures and hearing some of the stories of people calling me, telling me what's really going on down there. You know, basically everything we knew in certain spots was underwater. And you know what happens? There's a dry out period. There's a mildew period. There's a yeah. gutting period. And sometimes there's just a, a, just, 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 there's a demolition period, you know? And, yeah. you know, because by the time, uh, what they call it, scurvy and everything else sets in, these uh, diseases from stagnant water and bodies and, 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 and just, just the brown muck, you know, it was going to be some time that a, a young fourth, fourth grader didn't have to wait around. I had to keep this ball rolling, you know, and make it as exciting and as, as, as fresh mm-hmm. for him at that point as, as best I can. Therefore, I had to make a decision about UPS. Do I go back eventually when I'm called back to New Orleans and leave my family here? Or do I just turn in my resignation letter? and complete my degree, which I had one more class of. Mm. Remember I told you, corporate reimbursement. My boss hated signing them checks because he knew. Everybody wasn't doing that, but some kind, thank you, Jesus. You know, forward thinking. Yeah, forward thinking. You know, my friend's laughing at me. Why are you taking a bath in a face bowl? Like, because I got class tonight. What you going to school for? Uh, uh, You're a driver. You'll reach the pinnacle. No, you reach the pinnacle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need more boss. So I, um, you know, I looked at that and put it all in proper perspective and I always kept a, a level head about it um, because it was always forward thinking and three dimensional approaches here, especially with him. And cause I had to add that, you know, a month into it, my second wife, she decided to leave basically. 
do her own thing. And I was cool with that. And um, I didn't have a problem with it. No animosity, you know, shout out to her and her, her new family. And that's fine. But at the same time, I still had to grow my family. And that family was me and Kelly. Because I have a strong father figure. I'm going to work to perfect each and every day so that I can be great. I get a lot of my attributes and a lot of my, you know, the things that I, I do and how I think from my dad. He's the person that showed me how to work hard. You know, working three jobs, morning job. When he gets off at 5 o'clock, he's going to another job. He gets off that job at like 10 or 11. He goes to a night shift. And then he had to take me to school the next morning each and every day. That, to this day, honestly, man, it's just nothing more motivating than... My dad working hard for me. Good. At that point, you're a single father, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so how do you do you feel? Because I know a lot of love goes to, you know, mothers and a lot of love go to single mothers, even when when they kind of push through, you know, whatever, and make sure that their kids kind of get to where they're trying to get them to go. Do mm-hmm. you feel that single fathers are as celebrated? You know what? You know what? That's a very good question. Thank you. Um, to answer your question. I never looked around to see if I was being celebrated by anybody because if anybody ever tried to celebrate me, I would quickly curb that conversation or redirect it somewhere else Mm. because I thought they wanted something. Because a lot of times in my business, people look for vices. They look for what we call your thumbscrew. What is the thing that I can get you excited about so I can use against you Mm. or try to ingratiate myself with you or your situation? Oh, you're such a good daddy, Mr. Ubre. Okay, what do you want? I'm like, you know, and this is grown men talking to me, so I'm like, all right, bro, what, what you want, man? You know, or, you know, the opposite sex saying that because they're looking for a sponsor or a stepdaddy also. <laughs> I'm like, mm, what do you want? You know, so uh, so to answer your question, I know I'm kind of long on this, but... Ah, you good. You know, um, when I did hit, when, when, looking around, I never looked for the accolades because... It was my job. It was my mission. It was what I was going to do. Now what I had, it's what I was going to do. I'm going to will this boy into the, 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 the most successful situation that I physically can before I die. And we're still in that process right now. So um, the, the, the other side of that, we hear the stories about the mother, the mothers being single parents. But what we don't hear enough about is how we equate that to things like the Moynihan Report. And if you want to do some research on that, I think it was Patrick Moynihan or Joseph Patrick Moynihan was a, he was a staff member for Richard Nixon, I think. And back in the seventies, and he clearly laid out in the Moynihan report that if you offer uh, a culture, housing, uh, uh, free government set-asides, and you eliminate the father from the home, the byproduct will be catastrophic in 30 to 40 years. Mm. And here we are. We have a total role reversal in our community. But if you ever want to do some research, brother, look at the Moynihan Report and see how back then this man called it like it is today. Because it's almost like if you do this and this, there's going to be this reaction. So sadly enough, here we are. And sadly enough, it was, I don't want to say prophesized already, but it was, a it, 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 it put it this way, it was written already. And the outcome was pretty much could have been written right there with the actual words themselves by those who actually offer these assistance-based programs and these set-asides with the one caveat of the elimination of the father from the home. 
So if we were to remove him, everything else would be in utter chaos because the, 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 the opposite sex and how strong they thought they were, if we look at the byproducts of them running the household and how strong they thought they were, coupled with the byproducts or the end results we look at now, we realize how strong they weren't and how strong they could have possibly been with that male figure constantly in providing provisions and protection, our natural role as men. If you eliminate that, what do you really expect is going to happen mm. to a family unit? Whereas other cultures didn't experience that and look at them and look at us. Yeah. So we can't blame anybody else for falling for the okie doke, but the okie doke looks so good at the time to fall for. But, you know, so not, no shots fired. I think uh, how we get out of that is we come, we come back together and we realize our shortcomings. Now, it's a tough sell when you bring in a lot of baggage with you, you know, but that requires a humbling of yourself to realize that, you know what, I messed up and I need to make it more obvious that I want the father figure back in my children's life. So that's something I never wanted for Kelly to ever wonder where I was mm. because I never, I wasn't that, I wasn't that every other weekend McDonald's dad. I'm sorry, folks. You know, judge, with all due respect, all your education, your nice robes, you're not going to tell me how to raise my son. Thank you. That's it. If I got to go to jail every day for wanting to see my son, then just, just give me a pair of handcuffs. I'll put them on myself. <laughs> but after I see him, I'm going to put him on and I'll just wait for y'all. Right, on the <laughs> <laughs> so, but no shots to single, single moms. Um, I just think it's time for us to clean this thing up. Yeah. You know, um, you know. You've played a, you've had to kind of make sure, right? Like you've made sure that a lot of, de- you have to kind of walk Kelly through a lot of decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. picking which college, right? Because I'm pretty sure letters were everywhere. Exactly. So you got letters yeah. all the time. So I know that kind of came up, right? How did you decide on, um, how did you decide on Kansas? How did y'all decide on Kansas? How did you know that was the right place for us? You know what was funny? His high school coach had plans for him to go to Texas. Mm. And when I say he had plans for him, do I need to elaborate? Gotcha. Thank you. Because right. <laughs> two years prior, a seven-footer had already went to Texas already because they had plans for him too. Mm-hmm. And his mom didn't see, didn't see the Okie Pinocchio going on. And she knew everything. You couldn't tell her nothing. And I wasn't even trying. I was just sitting back in the cut watching. So what I did was, since high school coach had, so, had plans for him, I figured – it's time, it, after year three, it was really time for him to realize who was in control the whole time anyway. Because I let him think he was in control, you know, with all his pseudo plans and all his, his, his high school championship range. That don't mean nothing, man. That's my son. I love my son with all my heart. And I'm going to do what's in his best interest. So what I did was uh, they would allow the, high, the college coaches to come to the school and watch the kids practice. Because it was just fading. There, there were levels to this thing. You, they couldn't come to the house in the junior, sophomore year, but they could come and watch them practice. In the junior year, they couldn't come to the house, but they could meet at the school. So with the parent and the, and the recruit. And then by the 11th grade, yeah, uh, yeah uh, the, the end of the 11th grade at a certain time frame, they could literally come and meet at the house. Mm-hmm. So it was like levels to it. But strangely enough, he got his, he, he, he got letters. There were letters waiting on him at Bush High School 
from the eighth grade to the ninth grade, some boxes. But I was looking at the postmarks. And he would come home, he'd throw them on the counter, I'm looking at him. This is from four months ago. So he was getting like 10 at a time. So as he would bring letters home, postmarks were getting older and older. I'm like, so the high school coach has been sitting on these letters. He was sitting on the letters for months. Mm. Mm. And I'm like, and ironically, that same high school coach who disdained summer basketball was trying to coach him the eighth, ninth grade summer when we already we were already zoned to the school because I bought a house three years prior behind the school anyway. So it was no funny business going on. So I'm like, okay, I asked that coach specifically. And I asked the guy who ran the organization specifically, is this a violation? Mm. His high school coach coaching him during summer basketball, knowing he's zoned to his school and is going to play for him next year. Both individuals told me, no, it won't be a problem. Mm -hmm. We get to district play Kelly's freshman year. One of the coaches in that district told Kelly's coach, I'm going to make you forfeit all your district wins if he plays against us. So Kelly had to sit during district play. When I specifically asked these two guys Mm -hmm. if this is going to be a violation, both assured me, no, it won't be. But then until it was, therefore, for that coach, that was strike one. All right. You compromised my son knowingly. All right. Moving on, we get to our uh, junior summer after Peach Jam, Nike. Letters pouring in still. Still, you know, we're down to maybe five, ten schools. I say, you know what? I got to make a move with him because all these plans that the high school coach had for him, weren't going to be, weren't going to come to fruition because I'm in charge of this. So I called a friend of mine who was interviewing for the coaching job at Finlay Prep. And, you know, I must admit, I, uh, I looked at prime prep under Deion Sanders' crew. And quite frankly, I, I didn't see it. No, no, no knock on Deion, but I mean, I, I posed a question to the head of the school uh, I need to talk to two parents, one basketball parent, one non-basketball parent. Okay, Mr. Uber, we'll make that happen. Give my information. Okay, Mr. Uber, we'll make that happen. Never got a phone call. Hmm. I'm like, all right, bro. Well, shortly thereafter, the school started having major problems with some of the players not being college eligible. Hmm. So, you know, I didn't know what was going on in Dallas with Dion and those guys, but the kids were looking like, the kids had a stain on their records and it wasn't their fault because they thought everything was above board. I'm sure their parents were told whatever they were told, but maybe they didn't do the proper research on those schools. So call my friend at Finlay. He says, look, I'm up for the job. I says, look, tell Mr. Finlay if you get the job, Kelly's coming. Cause I got to get him out of Texas because Kelly was, yeah, daddy, next year I'm gonna drop 50 a night. I said, no, you're not. Because he, he didn't even know his graduating class because he never played against those guys. He was always playing up. Mm. So when you're traveling, you don't know your, the dude. You don't know. Yeah, he, those dudes were coming onto the team gradually because they lived around the house. But when you're rolling, uh, you know, you upper level, you Nike, you Adidas, you always traveling. And high school ball is just a byproduct of your education because you have to be there and you might as well play while you're there because it looks good. So... He goes to Finlay, and uh, 
He's on TV seven times to see a year between McDonald's All-American, Jordan Brand, Under Army Elite, uh, Finlay Prep, uh, Nike EYBL, um, and a couple other things. Oh, Nike Hoop Summit and Nike Global Challenge. So he's on TV seven times. And then I love New Orleans, but then my people started thinking that wasn't cute no more. Because at that point, I was just talking. Oh, you just talking, you dreaming, your son ain't all that. Oh, okay. Until they started turning on the ESPN. <laughs> so, so, oh, Lord, this ain't cute no more. And oh, Uber uh, projected a uh, 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 sign with Kansas, um, five star, yada, yada. And the Kansas thing was interesting because coming to the school when the coaches were allowed to watch him practice, the coach, his high school coach got mad at Kelly and told him because the head coach at Kansas showed up. And I don't think the high school coach had a, a, a real rapport with him, if you know what I mean. Because, mm-hmm. see, when you're the head of the conference, you don't have to do the squirrely stuff unless you just squirrel. And if the parent is not asking for anything, then we just hoover it. Mm-hmm. I got the product. He knows what he got to do. It's just a matter of where he wants to go. So, you know, you get five official visits to colleges. So after we got to the preliminary home visits and all this other stuff, um, we booked a, a trip to late night in the fog at Kansas. And that was our first official visit. We got up there that night. Kelly flew in from Finlay in Vegas. I flew in from Houston. We met at Kansas. We talked. He went off and did his own thing, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. <laughs> you know yeah. So, uh, well, well, he did something. Put it that way. Gotcha, so, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So, that morning, the next morning, he had to fly to Colorado for USA basketball hmm. training. So, I said, go ahead, do your thing. And um, I'll talk to you Tuesday when you get back to Finlay in Vegas. So, strangely enough, that was probably the first time I had seen my son in like six months. For like four hours. Wow. Because he was already at Finlay in school, traveling. I saw him there for four hours. He's leaving there, going to Colorado, then going back to Finlay in Vegas. I'm strapped. I don't have no money to be going back and forth to Vegas. It's just me holding it down. I got a house I'm trying to pay up, pay for. I still got the Houston bills that we accumulated. Mm-hmm. I still got a job or multiple jobs to keep to keep it going. And I still got my wheels turning about what the future is going to look like because the flip side to not taking anything along the way is means your butt got to go to work. Mm. So mm. he gets back to uh, Finlay. I talked to him too that I said, what do you think? He said, no, Pop, I want to hear what you think first. I said, brother, I'm going to be honest with you. I done seen all I needed to see. He said, what about the other four visits? I said, what about them? We don't waste time in this house. We don't have to go beg somebody for somebody to eat their food if we're not interested. So let everybody else go on their five visits and their five uh, their five smorgasbords or their five uh, uh, gear collecting trips with shorts and t-shirts. I said, Kelly, we don't need all that. We need to play ball, dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, your body of work is here. The top of the Big 12 just showed up. And the kicker is you're going to be surrounded by all upperclassmen. And on top of that, they won the Big 12 10 years in a row at that time. Mm. 
what more do we need here? This is a perfect storm. Mm. So I don't know what the other ones can offer or what they're going to say, because they're probably going to tell me the sky is blue unless you want to make, unless you want to make some changes, Mr. Uber. We can make that happen. No, thank you. I think God did a good job with the sky. We're going to leave it the way it is. <laughs> so y'all keep your little steak dinners and all your little stuff. And that following uh, the next week, I think it may be on uh, Wednesday, uh, 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 Friday, I called Coach Self and I say, uh, school, was, oh, school was over, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it was during that period where the semester had ended. The season was over, semester had ended the following year, once he went to Kansas. I called Coach Self and said, Coach, uh, um, Kelly's declaring for the draft on Wednesday. So Coach was like, uh, okay. Uh, academically, I say all that's taken care of. I talked to the financial guys, and he's in good academic standing, which means that, you know, the university is more likely to pay his tuition when he came back to school, whenever that is. I told him, remain in good academic standing, practice like a pro, and uh, kill everything in front of you to keep your market value high. So the Kansas experience was a great experience from beginning to end. That was a good six-month period and beneficial. It just, it just culminated. But the other four visits we never took. I don't know how many. Um, and I wasn't looking around to talk to people who had taken all these visits to all these places because, you know, I mean, it's just something we, we, we just didn't need at the time. And I asked, I, I told him, I said, look, once again, just ride with me on this. I got a feeling, bro. Because I see the dynamic already at play. You're playing with all upperclassmen. You're not going to get that a lot of places. You might go in there with two upperclassmen and three freshmen or two, upper, two, two, two upperclassmen, a sophomore, and a freshman and you with this buddy-buddy system they had going on at the time. Come with me. Come with me. But – both of y'all are trying to get to the pros, so why would you go with a fr- another freshman, you know, who, who, who won't get his shine on, too? So I think the, the, the shout-out to Kansas and Coach Self, the upperclassman dynamic worked for us because, ironically, Andrew Wiggins and JoJo Embiid had just come out the year before after going one and done. So I think um, it was an interesting time, and I just had to navigate the waters, be malleable, and be humble enough to read the tea leaves. You talk about um, trusted advisors a lot. Yes, I like that, right? You say my trusted advisors and my diamonds, right? Like you talk about that. Um, now, I, and I know normally when you talk about the term, you talk about the parents, right? Those well, trusted- parent or biological, preferably a biological connection. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, preferably. But I want to ask you about the trusted advisor. I want to ask you about the term trusted advisor in a different sense. I want to know who are your advisors because you're making moves, right? Like Beast Developmental is making moves. You're making moves in a business space. Do you have anybody who you go to, who you talk to, right, who serve as advisors for you as you're developing um, your vision for Beast Developmental? I didn't then, but I do now. Let me tell you why I didn't then. Because I was in a, I was in a foreign state. I didn't have to answer to nobody. If I made a mistake, I just picked up, I righted the ship, and I kept it moving. Plus, I didn't trust anybody enough to give me the advice I needed because keep in mind, Kelly wasn't from Houston. Therefore, a lot of, a lot of, let me just say gurus, they all wanted some kind of monetary tie to him or say that that's my guy, I found him. No, you didn't find anything. 
He was here in his position and his sweat equity is keeping him going here. So why would I give it to somebody along the way to tell me I can do this for you? You can't do nothing for me I can't do because I'm willing to work and you're not going to outwork me to put him in on the stage and in positions where he'll be seen. Because a lot of people that were in that system in Houston didn't realize what they were in the middle of or how powerful the surroundings really were. I knew how powerful the stage was. The stage was Houston. The stage was Kansas. The stage was Finlay Prep. The stage was Nike EYBL. And eventually the stage became the NBA. So, and that's the talk track. Kelly was at Finlay talking to, to D'Lo, to Stanley at, at Arizona, D'Lo at Ohio State. They were friends. Hey, man, I'm coming in town. What you got going on? And I knew that because he left his MySpace open on my phone. I said, Kelly, you know your MySpace is wide open. He said, Daddy, I don't care. You can see what I'm doing. And that was just a rapport we had. He trusted me because he knew I wasn't going to put him on blast you know, unless it got too crazy. And he knew not to get too crazy. I was going to get in there behind. So, so I'm going to let you go do this, cut your little teeth, but don't get crazy or you know I'm on my way. So um, that trusted advisors, it's just a lot of hats you wear. And as I, as I, I, I move out and I clear out the, the, the shrubbery, if you will, to make the picture more clear about what a trusted advisor is, by definition, and the job that comes with it. It's a never-ending job. It's 24-7. The marathon is for the rest of your life. Now, that might scare some people right there because at some, pe- at some point, people are w- going to want to look around and enjoy the big house that comes with the athlete or the big cars. Everest will tell you the big cars and the big houses don't phase me because it's all four walls to me, four tires. I still know with a pound of lunch meat and a loaf of bread is and a can of soup. I'm not changing. So if you want to be a trusted advisor, you need to understand that your no better be very strong because you will be the only person that will be able to tell that young diamond no and then listen to it. Because once they once they hit the run, the, the tarmac, once they're on the tarmac, then the clarifiers show up. So trusted advisors. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the justifiers show up. Trusted advisors are clarifiers. Everybody else is a justifier. They got to justify why they're coming into the equation at that point. Whereas a clarifier can bring that young diamond back to center because they've gone through things with them in the past that could have been humbling experiences. Not to throw it in their face, you know, and, and that's what you get. But I look at it as a badge of honor or an honor to be in a, in, in a position where I can support my son every day, all day, not just sometimes, and not just when he scores over 10 points a game. No, no, no. I'm here when he scores two points. I'm here when he scores 40 points. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not going to change my talk track or beat him down because society wants to beat him down, you know, in their own way also. So it's very definitive when you put that hat on of a trusted advisor or a clarifier because sometimes it seems never ending. Sometimes the accolades don't come like you want them to. But I think at that point, me personally, I had to skew or alter what I wanted to be my rewards in all of this. When I talk to young athletes right now, my reward is seeing them shine. That's my monetary reward. Now that, 
the more I'm, you know, Kelly used to always say, well, daddy, everybody doesn't think like you. I said, I realize that, but my mom used to always tell me that too. Everybody don't think like you. And my main thing in the back of my mind was, why not? Mm. Let's take money off the table. Let's get back to the love. If I do it for the love and I do it for the athlete in my heart, then the byproduct should be something I'm willing and happily ready to live with. Because their success means more to me than my pocket getting lined or me getting some inducement out of this situation. Because if I do that, then that means I wasn't doing it for the love to begin with. So who am I lying to, them or me? So pretty soon they're going to figure out that I'm full of it. And me, if my son ever figured out that I was full of it, that would hurt me to my core. And that's why I'm just not full of it. You know, I don't lie well. I don't lie. So, you know, I try, I try. I, let me just, I try not to lie. You know, sometimes we get in that little white lie area. You know, I try not to lie, especially to my son, because we've developed a report where he's going to call me on my and I'm going to call him on him. But see, that's the role of a trusted advisor. Because it always ends with, I love you, Pop, or I love you, son. No matter how deep we go, I can go there, I can get him right, or he can go there, he can bring something to my attention, and he sees we can move on at that point. And we grow together. So trusted advisor or clarifier, it's priceless, man. I mean, if, if you want it to be. If, if, if you see the value in it, I'm talking about the real value, not that that false value with, with the gold and the pay with riches and all that. No, man. The value is I just picked up his car from the shop this morning and brought it here. And I'm happy his car is safe and secure and he can get driven to the game tonight and he can be in the room right now taking his nap until it's time to leave. That's the value of a trusted advisor. You know, a friend of mine asked me, well, why don't you let other people do that kind of stuff? I says, you know why? Because I want it done the right way. Because I want to make sure the car is here. I want to make sure he gets his nap. I want to make sure he can enjoy his fiance. I want to make sure he's humble and calm on game day. If I give that to somebody, I can't guarantee any of that. That's a trusted advisor. I want to know about more about Beats Developmental and your vision for how the company will or how your company, or how your brand will impact communities. Right. Okay. So right now, I know I know people bring you in um, as a motivational speaker. Um, okay. I also want to know about the impact you're having there. But give me give me that vision. How do you how do you envision Beats Developmental helping or impacting communities? All right. I'm going to give you a short, medium and long term goals of Beats Developmental. Short term. Get it out there. This is what we do. Get it out there that we're not going to waver in our approach, in our methods. We're not going to sit up here blowing smoke and trying to secure a bunch of clients that don't want to be here just to boost our name on social media. I'm going to be doing right now what I've done for the last 20 plus years. I'm going to offer kind words. I'm going to be a support mechanism to my trusted advisor or clarifiers. I'm going to be there as a trusted advisor for the Young Diamonds about every step that they're going through because I've lived these steps. I'm not reading this out of a book. I don't have a script that I'm reading from. I can talk to you for hours right now and you can hit me with problems. And if you hit me with problems, this is a solutions-based company. We deliver information in real time. And if I don't have solutions-based material to give you, you're going to go find that information somewhere else. So short-term, 
It's the dude I've been doing for the last 20, 25 years. You're looking at Kelly. He's the byproduct of it. Do I want a million Kellys? Of course I do. You know why? Because I can sit back at one day and say, you know what? I really helped. I really, I really, I really played a part and I helped somebody. And not only did I help that diamond, I helped that family grow as a unit, not a one-off, not an individual out here uh, with a bunch of stuff to show for it, but broken inside. No, I built up a situation or I assisted in building a situation where that person has somebody to talk to and that person has somebody to talk to where nobody else can identify what they're talking about. That's short term. Medium term, seminars, of course, um, speaking engagements, you know, both here in this space and in corporate America about not giving up or quitting, motivational pieces along the way, um, eliminating justifiers because justifiers need to come around. Clarifiers and mentors and trusted advisors and diamonds don't have to adjust to justifiers. If you come in here because somebody sent you to compromise this diamond or this trusted advisor, don't waste your time because Beast Developmental sees you. We know you. And we can counter whatever arguments you make or ever, whatever pitch you have with the value of the power of a trusted advisor and them standing on their own square and not being able to be influenced by money or nonsense. Now, Beast Developmental is not for everybody. I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen a lot of horror stories along the way. I'm just being real with you. I've seen kids carry the house at a very young age because the parents thought it was the right thing. But those same kids are broken right now. I've seen guys that were guaranteed pros that weren't guaranteed pros. They're broken right now because you know what they're doing now? They say they might not watch ESPN, but they're watching all their friends, all the guys that they were better than, all the guys that sat on the end of the bench on their summer ball teams playing at the next level and making money doing it. Um, Long-term, man, I just want to die with a smile on my face. I just want to, you know, I just want to give it all back. You know, everything I've seen along the way, the conversations, the talk tracks, the, the ins and outs, how I went about doing it. And our services offer something that I feel is needed, even though sometimes I don't see it happening around me. It goes back to that daddy piece you asked me about, the single father. There are a lot of single fathers out here who are doing yeoman's work every day. But one thing about a, 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 a true man like myself, I'm not going to beat my chest crying about look what I did every five minutes along the way. I'm too busy working, man. I don't have time for all that. So I think, like I said, we as a people need to clean ourselves up, stand up, you know, show our kids what it looks like to be polished, show our kids what it looks like to be consistent, show our kids what it looks like to be loving, nurturing, and understanding, but also show our kids what it's like to burn it down when it needs to be burned down. Because if they don't see that, they won't know how to do that. So that's my short, medium, and long-term for Beast Developmental. And I know I drew parameters around it. And some of it may have been a little vague, but I did that on purpose because my situation is malleable. It's ever-changing. It's a working document. But at the same time, it's still based on fact. 
It's rooted in possibilities and fact and forward thinking and positivity. We don't deal with the negative. And uh, uh, one of the 40 laws is avoid the unhappy and the unlucky. If you find yourself always being unlucky, it's probably your fault. If you find yourself being unhappy, a lot of times it's your fault. So I think it forces us to do a deep dive within ourselves and gives our trusted advisors the ammo to convey information in real time to the young diamonds along with ourselves. So they don't, so the trusted advisor doesn't become Jurassic in the process too. Because once that young diamond hits a certain point, as a trusted advisor, I'll clarify, you better have a talk track to match his and you better not be talking about high school when he's in college. You better not be talking about college when he's, when he's in the pros. Because what's going to happen is he's going to look elsewhere for information in real time because you've taken him as far as you can take it. So I think in a nutshell, that's Beast Developmental. And uh, with respect to, as I break my logo down, Beast Developmental at the top, acting as a drone. Trusted advisors to the right as a support mechanism along with Beast Developmental to support the young diamond in the middle, surrounded by three very thick walls. At the bottom is his peers, because I want my young diamond in the middle to always believe he's above his peers if he's willing to do the work. So as we support him, he understands he's always over his peers. Okay. And with that being said, he has to play by the rules of the governing body or he will be sanctioned. And in the NBA, they just come and take your money. <laughs> so, so, Big so you might want to play by the rules, <laughs> Welcome to Beast Developmental, man. <laughs> yo, yo, you're writing a book right now. What, what's the inspiration um, behind the book? What, uh, what was the inspiration behind the book? And then who do you believe will be most impacted by your, by your book? You know what? Who, who will be most impacted is yet to be determined. Who, who I want a target audience to be. I want everybody to be the target audience. I'm not going to limit myself because you know why? Why would I limit myself if my story is limitless? I mean, you can pull a nugget out of this and use it in your everyday life about perseverance, about sustainability, about longevity, about honesty, about courage, about strength, about being accountable, um, being malleable. Um, And I don't want to say all knowing, but let me just say, about being aware, about, about being aware of the possibilities and being in tune with what real growth looks like. I could lie to myself all day long and say, you know what, I'm going pro tomorrow, but I'm 51 years old. Why would I lie to myself first and lie to you second? You know, okay, because I can believe that all I want as long as I don't say anything about it. But the minute I start talking, I write it in a book. You know, was it why? Why did I buy this book? This dude is crazy. You know, going to the, you're still going to the pros, huh? Okay, brother. All right, you're still going, huh? But let's just rip the bandaid off. And the book is geared towards, uh, you know, trusted advisors, parents in a position to make effective change and realize their true power, whether that be in the world of sports, in careers for the young diamonds as a result of going as far as they could and taking it beyond the realm of sports and for corporations who see the value in nurturing their employees, especially in this COVID era, because good employees are all around us, but at the same time, good employees can be hard to find. Good employees can be hard to find sometimes because 
I think at this point we need to concentrate more on personalities and less on them and less on what's on paper. Because the ones who are surviving in this, this post-COVID, this current COVID era are the same ones that survived in the Katrina, post, post-Katrina era, mm. the workers. And it's funny how natural disasters bring out the best and the worst in people. Some people just head for the hills anyway because they weren't prepared for the moment. But if you prepare for the moment or whatever moment comes in the future, so to speak, then you'll be more inclined to attack that moment and be looking to persevere once you figure it all out. So in a nutshell, brother, I mean, I hope that was a, 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 a short, medium, and long-term goal of Beast Developmental. And the book will touch on all of those things. And it will draw some correlations and some fine lines to the psyche and the mental aspects of me dealing with Kelly at every step along the way. You often talk about turning pain points into PowerPoints, and I think it's one of the coolest things. I think that slogan is a, is a great slogan. Um, talk to us about that a little bit, right? Okay, turning pain points into PowerPoints. Exactly. We all experience pain. And a lot of times that pain can break us to the point where we can't come back. But if we identify the pain, we isolate the pain, we talk about the pain, we formulate a plan about how to deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. That pain morphs into a PowerPoint and as a reference point that we can look back on to know not to go there again, but to convey to someone else about the pain you went through in real time mm-hmm. and give them hope for the future as you have sought out and found hope for your future also. So pain... Yes, we all will experience pain by design. But will that pain make or break us is the question we will be tasked with in that moment and beyond that moment. Because we don't know when it's coming. But, you know, it could be death. It could be taxes. It could be uh, um, not experiencing success in a career. It could be a total wipeout. But one thing I always tell my trusted advisor and my young diamonds is you do realize you have the same 24 hours in a day that a millionaire has, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't get 25 hours. He gets 24 hours just like you. So if you take his money off the table, I guess both of y'all are the same, then, right? Because that's the way I look at it. That's why the whole title thing, the whole money, con- big money conversation, it don't rattle me, man. Because you know what? I get the same 24 hours you get. And see, that's all I need. Because I wake up and smile every morning thanking God. You mean I get 24 more hours to do that? I'm the richest man on the earth. But it depends on which, where, your, where your riches derive from. I get the same 24 hours. You know? And then you have the CEO and the janitor speech. Okay, let's say there's a high-rise building. Let's say not even high-rise, 10 floors. CEOs at the top penthouse office, okay? Calling the shots for the whole corporation. A fire breaks out on the fifth floor, okay? At that point, you know, who are you going to call? Well, the CEO is on the 10th floor, okay, probably in distress. And the janitor is on the first floor with all the keys and all the blueprints to the building. Who are you going to call? 
Who has the power in that moment? The man at the top or the man at the bottom? It's the guy with the keys. Because the guy at the top is calling for the guy at the bottom. Hey, man, how I get out of here? Back hallways, uh, 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 freight elevators that don't get turned on because they got a backup generator. Uh, uh, the stairs, the configuration. Well, the janitor sees that every day. The CEO may have never seen these things. So really, who, who is the power here? Pain to power. Pain to power. But if you look at it and you pay attention to how in our capitalistic society we look at it, it's pain at the bottom to power at the top. Who's really in charge here? It depends on the stage, the scenario. Because anybody can be in a position of power. It's just what they do with that power, you know, for good or for bad. And these probably are two great guys, but they have two different mindsets and two different things or a list of things to do every day. But in that moment, just like that, this guy became the power and that guy became the pain point. So life is interchangeable that way. And when they say, whoever you see on the way up, you're going to see on the way down. How about y'all try to attack going up at the same time? With the 15th pick in the 2015 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Kelly Oubre from the University of Kansas. What does it feel like to watch your son, all the work you put in, right? Mm -hmm. To watch your son kind of go through all these levels and kill it on each level, right? Drafting all that stuff. What does it feel like to be in that moment? Um, I'd be lying if I say it wasn't a rush. But I think it's an internal rush. It's, it's not a how you like me now rush. Because it's like draft night. Um, somebody asked me, well, why aren't you crying? I said, because I'm all cried out. Mm. I've been crying for the last eight years by myself, doing this by myself. Y'all just showed up, not me. I've been here. We were supposed to be here in the green room. We were supposed to be on this floor waiting to get his name called. What does it feel like? Um, I can't say it, it, it doesn't get emotional sometimes, but you know when it gets emotional? When it's dead dog quiet around me, when it's calm. Mm. Like I said, I go to the games, and when I don't have his fiance with me and she wants to talk, I put my earbuds in. I always have done that because I keep my blood pressure down that way. I can listen to classical music or the music of my choice. I can listen to my 48 Laws of Power. I can listen to my Sun Tzu Art of War. I can listen to anything that I want to and set all of that to his game or set it to music if I choose to. So it feels like it's very humbling. Let me just say that because in my mind, I have these snapshots of, you know, when you had the book and the old cartoons where you to flip the book and it's just a character moving and all the pages is going 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's like that because I got these snapshots in my mind of, Pre-Katrina, Katrina, post-Katrina, post uh, uh, Finlay Prep, Kansas, dropping him off at the airport 40 times in, in five years, not being able to go to most of those trips because I was working, but bawling, crying on my way from the airport because I knew he was going into situations where people didn't like him for whatever reason on his own team. We're talking about parents who wanted to see him fail so badly. I remember there was an incident where I picked him up from the airport one time. They just, they had just come back from the King James Classic in, in, in Canton, in Canton, Akron, Ohio. And I couldn't make that trip. And uh, strangely enough, one of the parents, she was a single mother, but she had 
made it a point to use what she had to get what she got. You know what I mean? But see, I was the father aspect that she pushed away on purpose to get those inducements. So she eliminated the father from her situation so she could control the young athlete and basically have him do her bidding. It's almost like a son-husband scenario. Mm. A lot of that goes around now. A lot of son-husbandry has been identified. And uh, Kelly had a black eye when he came back. But he was so happy to see me at baggage, at baggage check. He ran up to me, and he was talking about he was six feet tall now. He ran up to me and jumped in my arms. And we got his bags, and I turned around, and he jumped on my back. And I carried him out of the airport on my back at six feet tall. Mm. I'm six foot. And I turned around, and when I looked at her face, the level of hate, the seething hate in her eyes, I'm like, man. So she had made the trip. She was there the whole, the, the whole four days with him. And it killed her in that moment because, see, that was the one thing that she couldn't get for her son because she had ran the daddy off. Mm. That, 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 that lust, that envy in her eyes showed me right there how broken she really was because all the maneuvering that she was doing to try for her own personal gain, she was still a broken person inside because Kelly loved me genuinely. Black eyes side, he was happy to be home. I was happy he was home. We hugged, he jumped on my back. I carried his big behind out of the airport with his bags. And that's what it's all about. So, man, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch these dynamics play out. And it's, it's interesting to, to watch people, you know, pretty much tell you what they're not going to do until the camera shows up. Mm. That's the interesting part, when the cameras show up. And then you really know who you're dealing with. Because a lot of people can't handle the camera. I'm just going to say it like that, okay? Because mm. that's their five minutes to shine. Mm. And I think that's why... Uh, I put it all in perspective, honestly. And uh, I think it, it's, it's the ultimate feeling to be able to have given him the tools to become, you know, a fiance now. He's still experienced. He knows what love is. And he's he's open and honest with, with, with his fiance about what love is. And he's not perfect by any stretch. He's still 25. But at the same time, I think I can pull back a little bit because, you know, he's working on the love, the, the love aspect of it all and navigating his way through his career. And quite frankly, I mean, that's where the rush comes in. It ain't on the court. It's off the court. The rush comes off the court, man, when you're a trusted advisor. Because you can see them morph or graduate or grow into the man. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I think we hit it. You know, you know, the kid out of New Orleans, the man that had I brought him back there, he might never have become the pro he never would have ever become, the person he never would have become. Maybe he would have been headfall victim to vices like so many of, of my people in my, in my family have fallen victim to substances. Because, you know, when you're living, not when you're surviving, you're not living, it becomes somewhat depressing sometimes. And I think you got to fill in, fill in the holes with substances and, 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 and 
God knows what. But um, I think that's the, 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 the off the court is where I thrive most because I can always wear that, that, that hat of daddy. And that's the biggest hat that means the most, you know, because all this stuff will come and go. Yep. Like I say, it's, it's four ties and four, four, four walls. I mean, that's all this stuff. Is. So, you know, we, we get through it together. And that's to still be here with him as a trusted advisor. That's the, the rarefied air that I want my trusted advisors to feel. I want them to feel these moments off the court when they can speak to third grade basketball. They can speak to black belt conversations. They can speak to the navigating the waters. And he can tell me things he saw on trips when I wasn't able to make those trips with him. You know, so we can always talk about what we see every day on the, on the internet, but we don't even talk about that stuff. It's not even important to us when you're going through it. That stuff not important. That's important to everybody else. You know, so uh, that's 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 beast developmental, man. I mean, like that, um, man. Um, we are so blessed to have you on the show. I just want to let you know what type of audience we are. Um, so we're, we're blessed to have you here. If nobody else, I know everybody's told you already, and I don't need nothing from you. Let me just tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you you have done a phenomenal job. Your story Thank is amazing, you. very inspirational. Um, I, I see the way you fought through all the you know all the stuff and the way you had to trust a lot. Right. There was a lot of trust that had to go into you making sure that he's navigating his way through AAU circus and everything else to make his way to where he is right now. You, yeah. sir, are, are a phenomenal guy and we truly you. appreciate you being here. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you more about our audience, who we are. We're praying people. Right. Okay. So we want to know as you're navigating your way through this stage, right, through this, this stage where you're reaching back and pulling up other single fathers and pulling up other people. Yes, how, can we, how can we pray for you? How can um, we give you in our prayers? Let, let, let's do this. OK, something I symbolically do with every every podcast. Well, most podcasts. What I do is I want you to I want you to do what I do. I want you to rub your hands together. I'm ready. All right. Show me your palms. Show me the backs. Show me your palms. All right. That's what I want you to convey to your audience, that we all must operate with clean hands when it comes to our diamonds. All right. Um, pray for us that we continue to do so at Beast Developmental. We're going to operate with clean hands. And I want you to incorporate with your platform and your voice the, the hope uh, what the future will look like, not what it can look like, what it will look like, because you're going to do everything you can to help will that success or that positivity or that three-dimensional thinking into everybody that you touch also with this platform. And just not utilize God in a way that's beneficial to you. Because, you know, I have this quote, and I, I put the caption under, I think, one of his highlights or something. I put, you know, be there for every step of their journey and not just for the convenient steps of your own. So with your audience, I, I applaud you, you know, to continue doing what you're doing. And if we're going to pray, let's do it the right way. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, that subtle prayer in, in private, you know, it, it, it is, is more powerful than that boisterous prayer where we show in the world, look at me, I'm praying. <laughs> look, did you see that? 
let me show you again. You know, like, ain't the Father, whole time. we beseech you, God. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole time, man, you know God that did St. Pete already. Look at this dude, man. Look at this dude. <laughs> Look at this dude. He had to give him again, man. <laughs> so uh, let, 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 let's, let's do it the right in the real way. You know, we we we've all we know what a lot of the pain is. Let's 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 convert that to some of this power. And uh, because the way we do that is we do it the right way. We it may be painful at first, but if we find little ways to tweak it or look at it or differentiate our approach or how we come up with a solution, you never know. You never know how that small tweaking or differentiation can affect somebody's life. And right now, I'm, I'm spanning with the podcast all ethnicities because the message that I want to present, you know, through Beast Developmental is, you know, pre-slavery, we all had to work together because the barbarians were at the gate. Therefore, if you go back to the comedic mystery schools, you saw the Greeks. You go back to the Greek and Roman schools, you saw the, 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 the Africans all in rulership, all on these boards and councils, because when that, 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 that rivaling tribe came with all those weapons, they were coming to take. They weren't coming to talk. So everybody within those walls of that castle had to work together to keep the barbarians at bay. And I think we as a society need to get back to you know, doing the right thing or identifying what is right and not our, our personal or monetary gains. But just, uh, you know, trying to live a clean life and pass something on to our kids because as we slash and burn, we got to remember that we're not really leaving anything. So they got to grow the crops all over again because we just scorched the land. What have we really done? And why are we here to begin with? That's all we're going to do. I think we're wasting a lot of time, ours and theirs, and they're going to resent us long after we're gone because they're going to realize we left them nothing to work with. So let's not, let's not, since we know better, we got to do better. And if COVID teaches us nothing right now is that mm. that job you thought you had was just a job you thought you had. And we got to be sustainable and let's just be positive while we're being sustainable too. So, uh, you know, how can people find you and follow you as you're, you know, continuously growing your, your company, your brand? How can people find you on social media? How can they follow you? Well, hit us up at Beast Developmental on all our social media platform at Beast Developmental. And uh, it'll give you some insight into the company. There are also some links where you could reach out to us for speaking engagements. We're more than happy to uh, engage you in those conversations. Um, I kind of love giving back and helping. So, you know, what you're going to get from Beast Developmental is a realistic approach, a positive approach, and a three-dimensional approach. What you're not going to get from Beast Developmental is a bunch of pity parties, a bunch of war is me, a bunch of non-solutions-based thinking. Because if you call me with a problem, I'm going to try my best to help you figure it out right there on the spot. If I can't, I'm going to get back to you in a timely manner with some pertinent information after doing proper research or talking to my, my team also because I don't have answers for everything. And I'm not gonna profess to, but at the same time, I mean, I'm gonna bust my butt trying to find the answers that are needed in that moment to, to turn that pain into power. Okay, so but at Beast Developmental, just, uh, just hit us up. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate you, Mr. Ubre. Listen, everybody, if you're out there, go ahead and follow them. You can find them on every social media platform. Go ahead and follow them. Go ahead and give them a like today. Go give them a follow today. And if you want speaking engagement, stuff like that, very open. Um, Operating with clean hands. You saw it there. So make sure you go out and you find them, follow them, and support the vision of Beast Developmental. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love you. We appreciate you. We pray that you have a phenomenal day. God bless. Thank you.